Welcome. You are listening to the Retirement Lifestyle Show with Roshan Lungani, Eric Olson, and Adrian Nicholson. This show is an exploration of ideas to help you work toward your ideal retirement. Get ready for the financial independence of your dreams. Welcome to the Retirement Lifestyle Show. I'm your co-host, Roshan Langani, here with Adrian Nicholson. We are keeping the show together during the summer while Eric is off enjoying the summer. Eric, we hope you're having a good time. Adrian, how's your week been so far? My week's been solid. Happy to be here. Looking forward to today's episode. Shout out to Eric. We miss you. Hopefully, you'll be back soon. But like Roshan said, we'll keep the show going without you. Yeah, I think his take would be interesting on today's today's uh, today's topic as well. We've got a good one for you today. We're going to discuss whether investing is art or science. So Adrian and I have both been assigned a side of the debate. We'll debate it first, and then at the end, I will we'll discuss it. We'll discuss it further once we've shared our our points for one side or the other. I think this is useful for anyone who's listening because I believe as an investor, you've got to find who you are as an investor, what investing style or strategy works best for you. And I believe that if you fall on one side of this debate or the other, it'll help you determine how to most efficiently spend your time when selecting investments or investment strategy. So Adrian, why don't you start us off with with your side of the topic today? So my side I'm sticking with is investing is a form of art. And when I was researching this topic, It took me a while to really wrap my head around this statement, but I came up with five categories that I'm going to discuss today that help explain this statement further that investing is a form of art. And once I looked more into this, I really understood the value of art and investing, the the format of it and the different aspects and how it compared. And it actually taught me some really valuable lessons when it comes to just investing and growing as a successful investor. Let's, let's jump right in. Well, you said you have five. What's the first one? So the first one is subjectivity. And this is a big one when it comes to art and investing. And these two components go hand in hand. And I'm just going to use an example here to point this out to our listeners and viewers, where let's just say you had a stock and you have two investors. One investor may look at the stock and say, wow, this is a good long-term valuable stock for me to own in my portfolio. And another investor looks at that same exact stock and thinks, this is way too risky for me. I'm going to stay away from this. I don't think this is a good long-term investment. At the end of the day, it's one stock. It's the same data. It's the same company. It's the same people around it, but two investors may have two different varying opinions on how this fits within their overall financial plan, their portfolio, whatever it, whatever it may be. And I think that's a good way to really show our listeners and views and discuss today how investing is an art form because the subjectivity is extremely important here to understand this concept. Well, I mean, aren't scientists also subjective and aren't scientists sometimes wrong? When you get very bogged down by data and numbers, sometimes it's hard to really think outside the box and go against those numbers. And I think that's the thing that I will probably draw in our our debate here, because as we know, markets, companies, what businesses, they all at the end of the day are run by humans. And as we know, human behavior 
can sometimes be unpredictable and sometimes the numbers can show you something good. Sometimes the numbers can show you something that will work out, but it sometimes can be the opposite. Sometimes it could be right. But that's what I'm just trying to point out here. Well, yeah, my my argument for you, so, and I don't think we made this clear at the beginning, so Adrian is is on the side that investing's an art, and I'm on the side that's investing's a science for this discussion, and my my response to your subjectivity point is, I'd say when scientists are working on their different theories, different hypotheses, they are also subjective, and there are scientific hypotheses or theor- that prove incorrect, as they go through their process. Couldn't that explain the same thing you described with the two, someone's a buyer, someone's a seller, or someone's a buyer and someone says it's too risky. Well, one's one's hypothesis is this is a good long-term investment. The other is hypothesis is this is, this is too risky. And one of them is going to be proven you know, potentially right or wrong. Is, so my, my challenge to your, the number one reason you have is that that's how science works as well. You have a hypothesis and you test it. So in this case, they have a hypothesis of good buy or bad buy. They're going to test it or by either buying or not buying. And then the market will determine who was right and who was wrong, similar to a scientific experiment. Yes, that's a good point. And just because we're having a debate today, I'm looking at this from a very black and white perspective and just taking out all color within this, because when I just think of investing as an art form, let's just take the word investing. What is investing? It's allocating resources to something to generate profit, to generate a return, to generate money, just keeping it as simple as possible. So when you're looking at a company to stock to invest in, you're looking at, will it make me money? Will it generate a return? Is this going to be a good fit in my portfolio to help me reach my goals. If you're just looking at investing from that standpoint as well, when two investors are looking at a stock, they really shouldn't be considering their goals, their risk tolerance, whatever. They, If you look at the very definition of investing, they should just be looking at this stock to make money. But as I talked about this before, human behavior, humans are very different. There's a lot that goes into their decision making. And that's why I'm leaning here saying investing really is an art form at the end of the day because you're you're dealing with humans in this case. But I'd be happy to go on to my next category, which the first category, subjectivity, leads into the second one, where investors, as you start to embrace that subjectivity when it comes to investing, it can help you explore different approaches and tap into creativity, which is my second category. And this, I believe, is really important when it comes to being a successful investor because this is how you, at the end of the day, identify opportunities, make informed decisions, and think outside the box. This is a way where you can look for market inefficiency, analyze market trends, just considering different industries and technologies. Creativity is an important aspect when it comes to art and investing as well. And this is why they share same components, why people think investing is an art form, because this is where People try and find those hidden things that people aren't looking at to discover new opportunities in the market, having that unique perspective. So uh, your second second reason is creativity, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Creativity is a big one because bringing in, especially just going down to the individual investor, them bringing their own unique perspective to 
their investing approach, like artists do when it comes to painting, then bringing in their new perspective may help them find opportunities that somebody else might not find. Well, I mean, to me, the the thought is aren't isn't science or scientists aren't they creative as well? Don't you need to be creative, think outside the box to come up with with these different items or even if it's not thinking you know, sort of a majorly creative outside outside the box don't you need to use creative thinking to build on existing ideas like i think of things like a generation ago a microwave wasn't a thing it didn't exist you didn't have it in every household now people will have multiple microwaves in a in a, in a household right and you had to be creative to come up with that mm-hmm. that's a good point and i my pushback on that is the degree of how creative you want to be because let's just say you're a scientist or something and you're following a certain formula and you want to just think outside the box get creative you could really just disrupt the whole the whole pipeline the whole formula the whole product that you're trying to create because you're getting too creative with it so that's how i'm thinking about that when i say creative where when it comes to investing, really the sky's the limit. Look for opportunity everywhere. We talked about before the investing universe is massive. So just great, get as creative as possible and just look at whatever opportunities you are before. I think this is an important part to put in our disclaimer as well. Always consult financial advisors. See what always works best for you. Don't make any drastic changes. Always just see what fits best in your perspective. But having that creative aspect is important when it comes to investing as well, because that's where it can maybe get you out of a rut or maybe get you think of something else if you're having a strategy that's not really working out as best to your, to your liking. It can help spark a creative idea and get you looking somewhere else that you haven't before. So I looked up, as you were saying this, the greatest scientific discoveries, and I'm just gonna, the, fir- the first two on, on the list um, uh, is, when Copernicus came up with the the fact that the sun is motionless and at the center and the planets go revolve around that, you had to be creative to think of that when the at the time they thought everything revolved around the earth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good one. And the, the, the number two on this list is is gravity and explains why things fall and why planets orbit around the sun. I mean, it's a law to us today, but you had to be creative to figure that out as well. So, I, I mean, let's go on to your, to, your, to your next one. But in my mind, the first two, I don't disagree with you. I, where I do disagree so far is I think science can be both subjective and creative, not necessarily just art. What's number three on your list? Well, before we get to number three, how about you just discuss that example I gave where if you're a scientist and you want to get really creative with something that's really set in stone, you can't really move the numbers at all or else it, well, the whole thing will come crashing down. Isn't that a good explanation of why creativity really falls more in the art category rather than the science category? Well, I mean, I'd go back to the very the, the first example I gave you on my scientific discovery search with the with the solar system. I mean, at that point in time, it was unshakable you know, fact that everything revolved around the Earth. So to me, that thinking that that this everything revolves around the sun at that point was 
as creative as it could get completely outside the box against what everyone was thinking at the time. And I may have it mix, mixed up, but I think Copernicus essentially went to jail for thinking this. Is that if I, for someone watching or watching or listening, let us know. I may have this confused with someone else and I don't want to waste your time doing a search on it right now. But I think that he got in trouble for it. Actually, I think I think I mixed it up with the quick search. It looks like that was Galileo that was actually arrested, not not Copernicus. But my point that I think that's a that's going against what is considered a law at the time is showing that shown there versus what you had just said about not being able to adjust or, or shake what is considered law at the time. Yeah, and I, I'll agree with you. Definitely, when it comes to the field of science, creativity is what sparks innovation and change. I agree, I agree with you on that part. So moving on to my third one, the next is intuition, insight, your, your gut feeling. And this is where in the investing world, we're relying on your instincts and just your overall understanding of markets, your experience with them is a good way to help guide your, your choices and help with decision-making. And you can all see this in the world of art as well, where certain artists really will rely on their intuition, their insights, their instincts to create meaningful artwork. And the same thing goes hand in hand in the investing world where sometimes if you're looking at data or a company or you're looking at evaluation, there's always sometimes that feeling in the back of your mind or whatever it may be saying, the numbers look good here, but I'm, I feel like I'm just missing something. And sometimes the case that feeling is what helped you stay out of a, a bad investment or sometimes that feeling of looking at something that where the numbers don't look good at all. You may look at maybe some of the intangibles of the company, something just seems right about this company and you go for it. That intuition, that insight, that gut feeling you have is really the heart and soul of when it comes to investing and why it is an art form as well, that gut feeling you have. Well, see, and I would argue that that science requires intuition as well, because you're very often when you're working through science, you're going through multiple iterations of something. You know, you, your your hypothesis was X, it was proven wrong, and then you go back and you're trying to figure out why was it wrong, and you use your your intuition. And I can't remember the name of the doctor, but this reminds me of when chemotherapy was being used to treat cancer. There was a doctor that wanted to use essentially what what we use now, but we would use one piece of the treatment where he came up with the the theory of using using everything at once to kill to kill the cancer. And he was I, I, if, I wish I could remember the entire story. He definitely got pushed back for it. He may have even tried it without letting his higher ups know. And so he was using his intuition, and it it proved to work. And now that's a standard treatment today. So I think that you use your intuition to take a hypothesis from you know, hypothesis one gets proven wrong. Then you go on to the next next hypothesis or you adjust your hypothesis and you keep going through those iterations. And I think your experience and intuition are what drive those adjustments that you make along the way. Yeah, that's a, that's a really good point. And then. The next one I have on my list is timing and precision. And I can see how you can argue a case where this is more science and art when it comes to investing. But the whole reason why I feel like this really goes more onto the art side 
is the timing and precision aspect of it when it comes to art and investing. It can sometimes make or break a decision as well, where we know investing, timing, it's very hard. Not a lot of people can do it. It's something that we really try and take out of the equation when we come to the investing universe. But we all know that finding the right moment sometimes to invest in a stock can add additional gains or take away from additional gains. And how this relates to art as well is when it comes to, let's just say, an artist making a painting, one of the biggest things that go into it that I saw researching is the the mood an artist can be in or the timing or the overall society or culture they're within. Capturing a certain painting within that time frame that I just talked about could be really valuable on how people really accept or perceive the artwork on whether it's successful or not in the long run, like investing can be sometimes. Well, I mean, there's a whole investing investing school, the, the quantitative investing where all they're really looking at is, is timing. Right, time. Sure, they're looking at price movements, and you know, they would they would argue the the quant the they would argue that there is a precision around this, right? Timing and timing in, in terms of when to buy and when to sell, and precision based on the view of their of their charts at the time. So I I I don't I don't have as strong an argument with this saying that it's science versus art but i would tell you that there that i believe there's a invest a school of investors that would very much believe timing and precision is how they make money and they they time it based on price movements and supply and demand they view the chart and that's what they've dedicated their life to from an investment perspective and would argue that it's that it's very precise what's number five what's the last one you've got And then the fifth one is risk and reward. And this is an integral component of this as well, where when it comes to investing, as we know, if you're trying to knock it out of the park with investment returns or profits, whatever it may be, you have to take on a certain degree of risk as well. And that's something that we've talked about numerous times on this podcast. And the same thing can go with art as well, where if you want to get as creative and as innovative as possible, really take that risk, go somewhere where no, no one's really have gone, whatever the discipline may be, there's also going to be the opposite end where you might not succeed or you might take on additional risk or not work out as well, depending on how much you want to, let's just say, as we use the description before, think outside the box, get creative, whatever it may be. So the risk reward element here, I found interesting as well. That relates into this. Yeah, and we'll we'll come back to this. I'm not going to exactly challenge this directly at this point. I want to go into what I've got on the science side because I think that'll address it. And first, with with the risk and reward piece, my the first item I've got on the science of investing is referring to harry markowitz and his modern portfolio theory and what he created was the efficient frontier which is driven by it's a model driven by mathematics it defines risk and reward based on historical historical returns and he has what is the using modern portfolio theory the most efficient portfolio so what your last point of arguing that it's an art is the very are the very same items that that Markowitz theory uses to argue that it's that it's science and he's broken it down to a science and numbers. 
But again, just when I think of investing and the human element here is just something that we can go back and forth with with days because that's something that people are going to spend their whole lives just trying to think about and figure out. But again, when you think of investing, it's just generating money, generating profit. And you just got to imagine if you just take everything out of it, that's what people are going for when they're investing. So they will always try and knock it out of the park. But as we know, as planners, everybody's situations different. Everyone has varying degrees of risk tolerance where I don't really care how much money sometimes I'm making. I want to just protect it as as much as possible. So that's where I'll, I'll have like a little bit of pushback with you on this. When you're thinking about investing, the art of it is extremely important because that just explains the human element of it on why people aren't really chasing risks sometimes or chasing risk well, I'd say chasing return because of that risk element out there giving their, their situation. When you talk about the human element and, and science, I know we're talking about investing at the time, but I feel like the human element is also inescapable from science. Like I think of you know, pharmaceutical companies where they've coming up, coming up with something to help humans, right? That, that to me addresses that. Now, that's not a direct a challenge from the investment perspective. The risk statement you made at the end, though, I think I think a follow-up of, of Mark Markowitz and modern portfolio theory would tell you, well, then you just adjust down the efficient frontier. So if this is too much risk for you, you go down the efficient frontier to a portfolio that is lower risk, but once again, still using modern portfolio theory on the efficient frontier. I'm going to go on to my next next point argument that investing is a is a science. It's the efficient market theory or efficient market hypothesis. And what that states is that all information is already in the stock price because you've got so many different people researching it and looking into it. And that says the market is is efficient at all times and you that then translates into just own the index because the market's the market's fully efficient so they're saying all available information is in is in the market and this to me would be would be an argument for the science side where the science side being don't spend your time doing any analysis or research. Just own the market because all the information is readily available in there already. That's, I mean, at the end of the day, that would be based on strategy as well because we, I mean, you know as well as I do, there are definitely strategies out there, if not all strategies, that have extended periods of underperformance as well. So I guess that would be my only pushback for that. All right. I've got a couple, a couple more. I'm going to first go into factor-based investing, which, which states that you can take factors that generally lead to outperformance, screen for them, and just own the investments that come up with the, with the screen. So no additional subjectivity or creativity, just pulling from your, uh, your, your top two on the art, first two on the art section is needed. You just follow those factors and that should lead to to good performance or outperformance. A subset in that factor-based investment argument is Joel Greenblatt came up with the magic formula for investing. And his magic formula states that if you buy something that has a high earnings yield, earnings yield is the inverse of price to earnings, and a high return on capital, you're buying 
a good business, good business being defined as a good a high return on capital for a good price, a good price being defined as a high earnings yield. So you could argue that it's a subset. This is a, just a, a type of factor. Your factors in this case are earning yield and return on capital. And that can lead to to outperformance. And it's purely data driven, you know, science scientific as opposed to any subjectivity involved what are your thoughts on on that on factor based or magic formula specifically i definitely like that as well and i can't remember what we had a podcast though but eric spent a lot of time discussing that as well if i can find that episode I'll put that in the show notes i thought that was a really good episode highlighting this strategy as well for people that want to dig in a little bit deeper I guess what comes to mind to me as well is, I mean, these are all good investment strategies that are a good way of just lowering risk, finding opportunities out there that fit the criteria as well. And what I discussed before or earlier was, again, there aren't there. Some of these strategies do have extended periods of underperformance. And as we know, in our industry, you can't guarantee anything. And I guess that's maybe something I want to have a discussion with you right now, Roshan. Science, in a way, is trying to guarantee certain results, where if you look at certain numbers or certain tests, it guarantees you a particular outcome. But as we know, especially in the world of finance, that necessarily isn't giving you a guarantee. It can show you a probability, something that most likely may or may not happen. And that's something that's pointing out. And I guess that's why, again, where I'm sticking more to the art side of it, where the art can really explain why aren't there guarantees with this strategy? Why is it just giving probabilities other than sure answers? And that's where I'll go back to the human element that I discuss and how, you know, and there, there are different theories out there where people would say the markets are completely efficient. Some are say that there are inefficiencies out there. That's why you have to search for different opportunities. So again, it's a discussion that could probably take multiple podcasts, but that's just something that can come to mind when you're talking about the science, where science does really lay out guarantees and equations and shows you why things are the way they are. But in our world of investing, sometimes that's just not the case. Well, even and using the word guarantees, which, you know, is, uh, is essentially something we don't use in this business at all. A great time to say, to give our, our disclosure, speak to your advisor. These, this is just a discussion we're having. We're not recommending anything or talking about really using one side or the other specifically or one strategy or the other for you. But art doesn't give you the guarantees, the guarantees either. And I, I don't think science in the real world necessarily gives you a full guarantee on 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 things i'm sure some scientists would would counter would counter that i'd I'd be happy to hear that that feedback well we can go with the guarantee that the earth is going to just continue to revolve around the sun that's that's a guarantee that everybody really really relies on so I guess that's something I'll point out. There, there you go. That 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 is, that is one. Although I bet, given some time, I could find some scientist that argues that its its pace may be slowing or speeding up, or something may be happening different. You know, with the different seasons, the way it revolves may be a little bit different. But I'm by no means an expert or knowledgeable in that field. I've got one last point I'd, I'd share with you, which is quant investing. So you've got quantitative investing or quants that will typically have a scientific or mathematical background of study. They'll take that knowledge and they will then create a trading system where the computer is doing buys and sells based on various 
coding and rules they're giving it. You've got some that have performed phenomenally well. And this is where I would argue it's science versus versus art because they're pre-programming it and letting letting the system do what it's supposed to do. So that that I'd say is more scientific than than art. And let's just talk about the inputs into that as well. That would be something that come to mind as well, where isn't this program really relying on a lot of the, let's just say the creativity, the artistic ability of these people to create this formula or computation to create an outcome? Can't you say that's more artistic than scientific? See, I'm going back to to your list and I'd say they're using their intuition and experience to then come up with what is a scientific formula and they will then, using that scientific formula, they will input it in their computer to to make certain certain trades and certain, certain moves. So... I definitely think they're using some of what you've got in mind on, on your list, but I think they're doing it as science, not as art. And there's a lot of overlapping themes here, but I thought it was just fun discussing that point with you. But I definitely see what you're saying. It's it's interesting. Now, I've covered all I've got on the science side, and I believe you've covered all you've got on the art side. Yes. Is that correct? So I want to ask you now, we took a position we were required to on the debate do you believe it's an art or a science? What's your personal belief now that we've debated our sides? When I, when I, I mean, for the sake of the podcast, I think it's always helpful just to have a debate and have a discussion to really flush out both the points because I've learned something and I feel like you've learned something as well where I think sometimes where we have these discussions too, you can see both sides and the importance of a certain blend of it and why it's important to really consider both sides as well, especially if you want to just see what opportunities are out there or just learn learn something new. I, I see the value in that. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think it's a healthy a healthy debate, and I'm going to push you again to, to give me that answer before I give give mine. Is your belief either, either and, and tell me if it changed prior to researching and preparing for this, but is your belief investing as an art or is your belief investing as a science? So I would st- I would still stand by the the art side of it because of the human aspect that I discussed before because it's just I really just can't get get past that as well and then as we talked about the scientific side where it's I under- understand the human element of science how that plays an important role when it comes to creativity innovation testing hypothesis I I understand that but when I think of science in this aspect of investing. I just think of just the simplicity of you put in input, you get an output, and that's what science is telling you, what that output is. And that's what it is because of the the inputs you gave it. But when you come to investing in markets and business and the economy, there's just so many human elements in that that you really have to consider, use, draw from to make make decisions as well, where that will just ultimately put me on the, the art side of it. Yeah, and I'll tell you my... If I had to pick a specific one side, I would actually lean towards lean towards what you said of the art. But I truly do believe it's both. And the re- the reason I say that is because I think a lot of investing I mentioned at the beginning is figuring out what you're most comfortable with. So like just 
pulling up one of the, the, the efficient market hypothesis. If you really believe all information is out there, then buy the index. That's where, that's where something like this would be useful. And consult your advisor. Once again, this is not advice. But my argument against the efficient market hypothesis is if, if that truly worked, you wouldn't have a school of investors that have outperformed like Buffett. And he gave a, a speech years ago that I'll, that I'll try to look up. I think it was at Columbia Business School. And it was just about how investors from there have outperformed. And I believe it was called, he called it Graham and Doddsville. I'm going to look it up because I think it'd be an interesting, interesting read about his his lecture. So we'll share that information in the in the show notes. But if the efficient market hypothesis is correct, then there wouldn't be people like Buffett that have outperformed, right? Now, I think if you change it from the markets are fully efficient to the markets are mostly efficient. Then I then I think you leave room for where these where these great investors come from, and he called it the super investors of Graham and Doddsville. That's the that's the essay speech that he gave that you can find if you do a a quick search online. It's available. My argument is that it's a little bit of both. You've got to use the raw data factors or science side of things to figure out where to spend your time analyzing companies. Then when you're analyzing them, I think all of your experience, intuition, which you had, which you had used on the art size, your creativity, which you'd use on the art side, I think all that needs to come, come to pass. So I'm not trying to avoid the question by saying it's both. I truly do believe that. But if I had to pick one versus the other, I would lean a little more towards the art side than the science side. And we were talking to our colleague, Bob. I spoke to him yesterday. He had mentioned he was talking to you as you were preparing for this. And he had said, in his mind, proof that it's an art is that for every buyer, there's a seller. So as you're buying something that you think is a great investment, there's someone else out there that's selling it because they don't think it is. And that's where I think you, you show proof that it's not a science. Two people are looking at the same information and coming up with two very different conclusions. You'd said that at the beginning with subjectivity. I just thought that highlighting that again was, was worthwhile. Well, yeah. And just personal expressions too here where it, investing really allows investors to express their beliefs, their values, using their investment choices. So it's going to be different for everybody on what they, what they use or what they decide to allocate their, their money to. Yeah, as you were saying earlier, that's the human element right that that that's that's in there that's why there's a whole school of, of in the investment world called behavioral finance you're studying how people behave in regards to their investing and finance across the board so for i i believe this is useful because i think that if you find where you stand as i said you can then determine how to spend your time and how to invest. So I, that's where I think it's really worth worthwhile. I always like our episodes being leading people into a direction, having having it be things that are actionable. And I think where this is worthwhile is you can listen to this and determine if you're on one side of the other, art or science, particularly if you decide you're on the science side and you uh, adhere to any of these different 
science, more scientifically driven strategies that I that I'd mentioned, I think it makes your investing really easy and you can just set that forth. If you're more on the art side, I believe it'll it'll drive you away from those specific strategies and to help you figure out where to allocate your time and resources on researching what works, what works best. Adrian, do you have anything you'd like to add in closing? No, I mean, that was a good point. I mean, initially when I was just researching the art side of it, I was like, oh boy, man, I'm going to have an uphill battle because I do not see how investing is an art at all. But once I started researching and really understanding the topic, I started leaning more to it and really understanding what it was pointing out where sometimes I find myself really focusing more on the science side. What do the numbers say? Just looking at what does the data say? But understanding that art side, that other side of it as well, like I said in the beginning, can really help me grow as an investor. There's a, a quote out there about investing. I wish I could find it, or maybe it's just a general thought and there's no specific quote, but they say that investing is about experience and your experience compounds, meaning that everything you learn regarding one investment you can build upon as you continue research so you get more experienced. And I, I heard a lot of talk about this during the financial crisis, specifically with Buffett putting literally billions to work in in hours, you know, as things were, things were going down. And there were people saying, you know, he's been sitting on all this cash for years. How's he able to move so, so quickly and make these decisions? And it's because he's got, you know, 70 years of experience and he's able to then analyze quickly and make decisions quickly. So that's where I think the art side comes in, comes into play. Now, as I said earlier, I do think there's a science as well, but I had the opposite thought of you, Adrian, being assigned the science side, being more of a believer that it, that it is both or, and slightly more art than science. I thought I'd have the uphill battle proving it as, as such and trying to keep my personal feelings or thoughts on it away from the debate side until, until the end. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a really good point, too. And it's just something that comes to mind, too, just thinking about disciplines, because, again, it, science, art, whatever it may be, it really does integrate itself in a lot of disciplines out there, whether it's art, literature, it could be sports, it can really be anything. And I think one of the things that I am thinking about or just learned about is really science really show how something comes to be, where the art side of it really shows how how it got there in the first place. For example, I'm sure a lot of the greatest artists in the world start out as, as kids, probably just drawing some of the most simplest pictures in the world. And now there are some of these very well-esteemed, high-regarded artists in the world and science would show the reason why they got here is because they did this. They practiced this. They studied here. This is what they did. This is how many hours they put in. But it doesn't really address the art side of maybe the emotions they're feeling or certain people they met or certain connections where it really does and paint the picture or the holistic aspect of it as well. So that would be more my parting thoughts. That's a great point, even with investors, right? They, they talk about specifically in the value investing space, they say they all start out buying the old Buffett style cigar butts where you're buying companies that are, that are really below, trading below their, their book value typically. And then they evolve as they learn more to buying more of what you know, one of the books I'd read called Buffett. 3.0, which is buying good companies at a good price versus buying you know, companies that aren't so great at a, or buying f companies, good companies at a fair price versus buying fair companies at a good price. It's probably the best way to put it. 
Yeah, I think the evolution doesn't happen on on both sides, the art and the science side. Thank you for joining us. This has been another episode of the Retirement Lifestyle Show. Please like, subscribe, give us five stars, tell your friends and family, and take control and achieve your goals. Schedule a conversation with Roshan, Adrian, or Eric today at retirementlifestyleshow.com. Roshan and Eric are certified financial planner practitioners. They, along with Adrian, are investment advisor representatives and serve clients across the U.S. with financial planning and investment advice through RTA Wealth. If you found this show helpful, gain knowledge, or enjoy the time you spent with us, tell your friends and leave us a five-star review. This will help others discover the show. To access our show notes, to download any of the tools mentioned in today's podcast, to ask us a question or to schedule a conversation, go to retirementlifestyleshow.com. All opinions expressed by podcast hosts and guests are solely their own. While based on information they believe is reliable, neither Arate Wealth nor its affiliates warrants its completeness or accuracy, nor do their opinions reflect the opinion of Arate Wealth. This podcast is for general informational purposes only and should not be regarded as specific advice or recommendations for any individual. Before making any decisions, consult a professional. The show hosts offer investment advice through Arte Wealth Advisors, LLC, an SEC registered investment advisor, and securities through Arte Wealth Management, LLC, member FEMRA, SIPC, and NFA. Finally, our music is The Chance, by Jason Shaw in Audionautics. It's part of the YouTube Audio Library and it's licensed under a Creative Commons license. I am Ray Voices. Thank you for listening.